Hey everybody, this is Alf speaking. Welcome back on the Blockworks Macro YouTube channel. And this is my weekly deep dive into my free, the Macro Compass newsletter article. This is just off the press and it focuses on Jackson Hole speech and its implications on markets. And it's named Fat Pivot My Ass. And sorry for the French, but I think uh, the Jackson Hole speech was short, clear and unambiguous from Powell. And the main line was that we will keep at it until we are confident that the job, which is killing inflation, is actually done. Now, this was a very strong speech, which came on the back of economic data, which continues to disappoint some pretty impressive downside surprises in leading sectors like housing. It comes on top of the fact that QT is about to accelerate, quantitative tightening that is, and the friendly dynamics behind the Fed balance sheet composition which held risk assets in June and July are actually likely to fade away in the fourth quarter. And nevertheless, we just heard Powell deliver a very decisive speech in Jackson Hole, where he stressed out that the Fed won't be making another mistake. They underestimated inflation in 2021. They delayed the tightening cycle. This time they will not prematurely stop. On the other hand, actually, they will keep going at it until they're confident that the job on inflation is done. He also was pretty clear that he knows that getting the job done will come at a cost for the economy and for markets. Obviously, his incentive is to say that the cost will be contained and manageable. I do think on the other end, the cost for the labor market and for uh, financial markets will be pretty large. So I structured the article by basically looking at these three points. First, starting from the uh, data, which came in from last week, I decided to focus on housing. And what I see is that housing activity is slowing down very, very fast. And it matters because if you also consider the second round um, spending activity around the housing market, in many jurisdictions, it accounts for almost 20% of GDP. It's a highly leveraged interest rate sensitive sector, which makes it prone to move first when financial conditions and economic cycle are changing. This is why housing is defined as the business cycle is very crucial to the business cycle. In the chart that I'm putting up now, you can see the US uh, National Association of Home Builders Index. It's uh, in orange on the left-hand side and it's inverted. It leads by 12 months, changes in unemployment rates, which is in blue, and uh, it's on the right-hand side. Now, the um, NHIB housing index, it's inverted. So when it goes up, it means housing activity is slowing down. And it just moved up by or down uh, in reality because it's inverted by 30 plus points. Now, such an historical drop precedes, generally speaking, jumps in US unemployment rate of roughly 3%. If the historical correlation would hold, that implies that US unemployment rate is likely to be in the 55 6% area in 2023. So what soft landing are we talking about? And together with housing, also other leading indicators keep deteriorating. This other chart I'm putting up looks at the U.S. Conference Board Top 10 Leading Indicators Index. So the U.S. Conference Board ranks the top 10 economic leading indicators and wraps them in a very convenient index, which is in the chart that I'm putting up. Every time this index prints two or more times below zero, we know we are in a recession. Once this criteria is met, the index has correctly forecast five out of five recessions since the 80s. The recession trend is pretty clear, as you can see, the last print was zero. So we need to monitor what's happening, but the trend in housing and also in other leading indicators is very clear. In short, when it comes to this point, 
Tighter monitoring financial conditions take a few months, guys, to be fully reflecting first in leading indicators and then a few quarters to actually affect hard coincident indicators like the labor market or real consumer spending, which is just printed at 0%, by the way, just today. So it seems that we are getting there when it comes to a sharp slowdown in actual economic activity. But the most important thing is that the path ahead depicted by forward-looking indicators doesn't look great either. The second point before we talk for a second about Jackson Hole is that it seems we have forgotten about quantitative tightening, but quantitative tightening matters for markets. It reduces the amount of interbank liquidity, and at the same time, it asks the private sector to absorb more bonds, more collateral. And this has implications for repo rates, risk-taking, and asset allocation. Now, over the past few weeks, we have seen QT happening, but QT shrinks the asset side of the Federal Reserve balance sheet. What happens on the liability side? It needs to shrink too. Now, look at this chart I'm putting up. Uh, The liability side of the Federal Reserve balance sheet is not only made by bank reserves, but it's also made by the Treasury General Account, the reverse repo facility, and other components. Let's focus on the bank reserves and the Treasury General Account. When the asset side of the Fed balance sheet shrinks, liabilities must shrink too. But bank reserves are not the only liability there. Let's look at the TGA, the Treasury General Account. For example, after a very strong tax season in April, and you can see that basically that upswing uh, in the in the green line there, all the way up from January 22 to April 2022, the TGA almost hit $1 trillion. So the US government took some of the TGA money from the Fed account and spent it in the real economy. And the reverse repo facility was unchanged. It's not even depicted in this chart. But the drop in TGA, basically from $1 trillion all the way down to about $700 billion, it took the hit for the quantitative tightening rather than bank reserves in red, which you can see actually went a little bit up. Now, this supports risk assets on the margin, but this trend is not likely to continue in Q4 because the TGA will be soon down to levels which are more uh, standard long-term levels. The money stuck in the reverse repo will not easily get out of there, which means that if you keep reducing the asset side of the balance sheet, as you will do on an accelerating pace in Q4, bank reserves are going to bear the brunt for it. And when bank reserves drop, risk assets tend to suffer and yield curves tend to flatten more. This is because when central banks, you know, they can, af- they can affect a lot front-end bond yields. Long-end bond yields are driven by expectations about growth and inflation. And QE, if on a certain, from a certain point of view, can help boost this expectation of better growth and better inflation, QT kills them. So in short, as the economy is slowing down, the housing market is slowing down, we also have central bank balance sheet dynamics in matter for market and Ceteris Paribus looking at the trend in Q4, the, the you know dynamics behind the Federal Reserve balance sheet shrinkage and QT are likely to paint a worse picture as well for risk assets. Now, on the backdrop of this, we had Powell deliver the Jackson Hole speech today, and it was pretty unambiguous. It was short, direct, crystal clear. The Fed won't make the mistake of stopping too early. It won't allow financial conditions to unnecessarily ease before the job is done. Now, an interesting point. In the past, the Federal Reserve never stopped hiking before nominal Fed funds minus year-on-year PCE, which is the inflation target, uh, the inflation metric the Fed is looking at, turned positive. So real Fed funds, as nominal Fed funds minus observed inflation today, year-on-year, 
needs to turn positive, historically speaking, for the Fed to stop. This time, I think, won't be different. They actually might want to tighten the screws a bit further, given the dangerous inflationary pressures they, they face today. Now, in order to know what's going to happen to, to real Fed funds rate, you need to pay attention to what the market is pricing in for Fed fund, nominal Fed funds and inflation in 2023 and 2024 to get an idea of what the market is pricing in. So let's look at this chart I just put up in the article as well. And you see an orange line, which is the market implied inflation 18 months ahead. That's the orange line. And the blue line is the market implied Fed funds 18 months ahead. And I chose 18 months because it puts us into you know, late 2023, first half of 2024, effectively. So we'll give time to the market to absorb and to price in the path for inflation and Fed funds. What we see there is that market implied inflation 18 months ahead is priced to be at 3%, a sharp drop from today's 8.5%, guys. Market implied Fed funds 18 months ahead is priced to be at 3.4%. Now, it seems to me that bond markets are basically pricing quite an economic slowdown that will also bring with it down inflation, a quick deceleration back to 3%. But they're also getting Powell's message today very clearly. They are pricing Fed funds at 3.4% despite economic uh, slowdown and inflation deceleration all the way to 3%. The medium-term implication of Powell's Jackson Hole and market pricing today is the unambiguous commitment, I think, to kill inflation, even if it means a sustained period of below-trend growth, soft labor market. And he sa says it very clearly when he mentions that these are the unfortunate costs of reducing inflation. I just think that the magnitude of these costs are underestimated by markets. I think you should prepare for pretty sluggish long-term growth and inflation expectations while financial conditions will have to remain very tight. That's the macro backdrop we are likely to have to price in further as we go into Q4 of this year. So when it comes to markets and portfolio allocations, I think my main macro team lies behind the fact that while the first seven, eight months of 2022 were all about short almost everything and long cash, I think the next seven to eight months might offer some good opportunities, starting from bonds, but also moving to other asset classes. What I mean with that is that right now I am underweight equities, overweight cash, and I'm accumulating long end euro and dollar bonds. I'm back at entry levels, but if 10 year treasuries would trade all the way up to 325, 3.5% area, I will add some more to my long term ETF portfolio because the more and the longer the Fed pushes on the tightening accelerator, the worse the economic slowdown is going to be. And as these lowers, basically the prospects for long-term growth and long-term inflation, I think the attractiveness of long-term bonds is increasing right here if your time horizon is the one of a medium to long-term investor. On the other end, when it comes to equities, we just experience this crazy, the Fed will pivot rally in July. But the Fed just told us today very clearly that they are keen in keeping financial conditions tight. They want to see real yields higher. We're also seeing more evidence that earnings are going to slow down. So I think especially the cyclical part of the stock market will suffer. European stock markets, particularly uh, small cap in the US, but in general, equity markets, I think, are poised to at least underperform bond markets over the next 6 to 12 months. When it comes to potential interesting opportunities ahead, I think we should keep an eye on gold and high quality stocks. 
And the reason why I say that is that the next market volatility phase would indiscriminately disproportionately hit all asset classes because you know you enter a situation where people have relaxed a bit through the summer, they've reloaded risk back on. And also, I think they still have a quite rosy expectation for a soft landing. And as the soft landing uh, base case is likely to be disappointed, while the Federal Reserve makes sure and clear that they want to keep conditions tight and QT keeps ongoing and applying further pressure, I think there is a chance for quite a lot of volatility ahead, which can eat indiscriminately all asset classes, including gold and good quality stocks that instead could be just the first ones to positively react to a true Fed pivot. The true Fed pivot isn't here yet, isn't even close, I think, but it's good to keep an eye on most asset classes from year onwards because contrary to the first seven to eight months of 2022, the next seven to eight months might offer some good investment opportunities starting from bonds. Guys, this was my uh, summary of the Jackson Hole speech and what it means for markets and portfolio allocation. As a reminder, this is a basically uh, a reading uh, out loud, but not a complete um, download of my article. It's free. It's on the macrocompass.substack.com. If you go in there, you can join up to 88,000 worldwide investors and macro enthusiasts. The Macro Compass is a free newsletter I publish every week where we go into deep dive macro analysis, macro insights, financial education articles, and also um, actionable investment idea and portfolio allocations ideas. So in case you want to know more, just uh, go on the macrocompass.substack.com and you'll find everything there. We'll talk again next week. Ciao from Alf. 